The Secret World Chronicle, a podcast novel series written by Mercedes Lackey, Cody Martin, Dennis Lee, and Veronica Jaguer. Presenting Season 8, Collision. Cover Girl. Written by Mercedes Lackey and Veronica Jaguer. There were times when Bella was convinced she was running two separate echoes, hers and Spin Doctor's. Spin had ambushed her just before she managed to escape the office to head to the CCCP and a visit to the Quantator to have another little circular argument fest with Marconi and Tesla. She wondered if being ensconced as machine intelligences for so long meant that they had an established subroutine they had to run, like obsessive compulsives, before they could divert to anything useful. In this case, it was always the argument about why Metis couldn't be persuaded to offer any material help, only what Marconi and Tesla themselves could give, surreptitiously. We need another sexy spread, Spin had said without any build-up at all. Then again, he knew she was immune to whatever power it was. Some sort of projective empathy? He employed. So as often as not, he cut straight to the chase with her. Harper's wants a story. Same format as before. An interview with the head of Echo, that'd be you, and two double-page photos, one with the models and whatever passes for a uniform or armor or something, and one in... Not bikinis, she said flatly. Never again. I swear to God, every time I take a shower, I feel fanboy eyes all over me. Fine, it's Harper's. It doesn't have to be bikinis. Anything not a uniform and reasonably sexy. And not just women, Bella interrupted again. Mixed sexes. This isn't a calendar shoot, right? This time, we show that Echo includes everyone. That had stopped him with his mouth open, and he closed it with an audible snap. Not bad, he had said finally. Not bad. I can work with that. I'll ping you via Victrix when I get a lineup. He had turned on his heel and left at his usual fast walk. Uh, I'd apologize for telling him where you were, but I think it's a good idea, Vicky had said in her ear. We need some red meat to throw to the masses. You know, Echo is your friend, not just the people who sometimes wreck your neighborhood. Bella had just shaken her head. So, now she was coming out of the quantator room with, yet again, no material help, but at least some useful information and a handful of schematics. Ramona waited down the hallway, the plastic coffee carafe and ceramic mug safe in her hands. She raised the carafe in greeting. Little Bird mentioned that you might need a cup and a chat. I'm ahead of my paperwork duty. Did you know you can request two-ply in triplicate? I'd be happier if that was single malt. Bella half sighed and half growled. Then she shook her head. Stupid. Last thing I need to do is turn into a lush. Thanks, sweetie. Least I can do. Ramona poured both cups full enough to walk and talk. Someone needs to look out for your caffeine levels, especially after dealing with the Midas odd couple. I guess they still don't want to do more than sit on their non-existent hands and wait. That was pretty much a sure bet. Bella downed about a third of the cup. 
Oh, and want to hear the latest brain fart from Spin? He wants us to do another photo shoot and interview, this time for Harper's. She rolled her eyes and then stopped right there in the hallway. I will be damned. I wonder if he thought of that. If who thought of what? Bella eyed Ramona without replying, then stood back a couple of paces and eyed her some more. I will be going to freaking hell, she said out loud. It could work. It could just... I think you thought what you're thinking, boss, piped Vicky in her ear and in Ramona's. The lineup he sent me included Ramona Ferrari, a.k.a. Steel Maiden. Ramona pursed her lips at the metamoniker, her mouth twisted as she tried not to laugh. Points to spin for an original name, but last I checked, Ramona Ferrari is dead. Listen, hear me out. Verd's been the original Invisible Man since we outed him. Which is logical, he's good at strategy, and you can't fight a million shadows when you don't know which one he's hiding in. We need to draw him out, but not in such a way that he's sure it's you. So he has to start poking at us to try and find a chink in our intelligence armor. Bella smiled a little. So, Vex, what's the lineup? He says the theme is Glasnost. The lineup is you, Bull, Yank, Southwind, that's the girl if you're forgetting, on one side, and Savior Hunter, Chug, and Upir on the other, with Ramona in the middle, taking the place you used to have as the liaison. Bella shook her head. Freaking brilliant! Two strong female leaders, their backups, a couple rankers, two of whom are pretty weird-looking. All-inclusive, though we are never going to make Chug look sexy. Chug is Chug, Ramona pointed out. And you'll have a better chance for sexy from him than Natalia. The getting me out there is... She stopped, searching for the right word. Questionable? In answer, Bella grabbed her wrist and pulled her along the corridor until they reached the door of the female comrade's changing room. She shoved the door open and pulled Ramona along until they came to the room's sole, foggy, full-length mirror, a narrow strip of glass that Ramona was sure wouldn't reflect all of her zaftig bulk. Look, Bella demanded. Look! Ramona looked. Reluctantly, but looked. She'd avoided mirrors since... Well, since she woke up with metal instead of epidermis. A stranger stared back at her. And the mirror reflected all of her. Bella stood behind her, one hand and one coffee cup atop her shoulders. Do you see Detective Ramona Ferrari there? I... Ramona nodded slowly, then shook her head back and forth. Hear me out. We'll get you some kind of honest-to-god armor with a helmet. Plastic, of course, so you don't absorb it, but it will look like real metal. Something that shows only your eyes and a little bit of your face. That'll be for the first shot. The second shot, that'll be where we do something to bring up the metal epidermis on your face. Scare your skin by threatening it with a needle or something. 
will put you in a silver lame cat suit. That and that new body of yours will leave enough doubt that Verd is going to have to check this out personally. Ramona tilted her head to the side. And we want Verd to come out to see what's going on. Bella nodded. He won't trust this to just anybody. It will be him or someone he trusts. Someone close to him. So we're betting on Kanjar first, and maybe Verd agree to follow, Ramona mused. She studied the reflection with a critical eye. This is going to require stiletto heels. And no cutouts on the catsuit if we can help it. We can put in the request, but the best I can promise is that you'll never have to actually fight in the catsuit. One of the many perks of Nanoweave is that, unlike Lycra, it can breathe. Bella came around and held out her mug for a refill. Verd might be a top competitor for hide-and-seek, but we've stayed a few steps ahead. With this kind of news, he'll have to peek out and see what's going on. Ramona topped off both cups and turned away from the mirror. And Verd being Verd, he's not going to be content with just peeking out. Once he sees something, it'll consume him. Exactly. Karma, payback, cosmic order, whatever it was called, it had the strangest sense of humor. Not terribly long ago, Ramona had stood next to Bella and worked her charm to convince the healer to pose for the first Echo photo shoot. Bella had warmed to the idea out of necessity, as had the chosen representatives in CCCP. Now, the roles had reversed, and Bella watched while Ramona tugged and tweaked her own custom outfit in preparation for the camera. Under the right circumstances, Ramona thought. This could be a lot of fun. The Echo Tailors had carried out Bella's promise for the first outfit to the letter. The armor resembled scales, thin polymer plates the size and color of half-dollar coins attached to a modified nanoweave undersuit. Something not unlike an overbust corset in a lighter shade of gray provided shape and support the color matching the pale stiletto boots that Ramona had predicted. The mask to cover her face had covered everything but her eyes and mouth, and the effect had worked on those who knew she was alive. Even Spin, who did not surprise easily, had appeared suitably impressed. The second half of the photos involved the sleeker outfits. Ramona could hear Natalia grumbling on the other side of the curtain while Bella cajoled and reasoned. Southwind had actually liked her outfit— Bella had a modified version of her first blue-and-white one-piece. Rather than be on the side of the whiners, Ramona took a deep breath and began to swap out her nine-to-five look for her after-five look. There wasn't enough fabric for a pillowcase, let alone decency, but complaining wouldn't make things better. Taking a deep breath, Ramona, Steel Maiden, she reminded herself, slipped out of the changing area to wait for the photographer. The pale silver one-piece squeezed the more squishable areas into place. Parts of the outfit had enormous slashes for cutouts to allow her skin to come through. A quick dusting of iron filings over the skin triggered the metal carapace to show. On her face, Ramona had used the same powder across her eyebrows, cheeks, and the bridge of her nose. Combined with a touch of white makeup, the effect was almost alien. Damn! 
Vicky's approval came immediately as Ramona surveyed herself in the mirror. Serving extraterrestrial realness. What can I say? I try. She poked at the metal patch on her cheek to make sure it would stay. Everyone else ready? Almost! Bella poked her head out of the changing room. Everyone else get in place, please! Ramona could easily hear Bella continuing to talk to the one holdout, Red Savior. Look, the healer finally said. It's propaganda of the most visceral kind! Что? Although Ramona couldn't see Savior, she could hear the sudden interest in the commissar's voice. Keep talking, blue girl. It's propaganda on three levels, Bella said. Men first, and you know what these outfits will appeal to. Duh. That came out as almost a growl. Bella cut her off. That's on purpose, Bella continued. I'm hitting back both at the meatheads here in the U.S. and at the ones in Russia. When they see us parading around like supermodels, what will they think? We're shallow. Mindless. We've caved in to decadent pop culture. They'll dismiss us as irrelevant, which means while they are ignoring us, we can run circles around them and actually get things done, which we couldn't do if they were eyeballing us all the time. Huh. There was a long pause. I wonder if this will fool my father and Boryets. You know them better than I do. Bella let that sink in a moment, then moved on. Then, propaganda to the women. I know you know women in the West dress more to impress other women than they do to impress men. Well, these outfits tell other women that we are powerful. In these shoes? Savior burst out. But Bella interrupted her again. Yes, because we are not afraid to wear things like this. That we can kick ass no matter what we wear. The first shoot tells women we mean business and we are both the bosses of our respective organizations. The second one tells them that we are still the bosses and can wear whatever we feel like. She must have been getting through to Savior because Ramona could hear the note of triumph in her voice. And this third level of propaganda... Savior prompted. Ramona. Bella practically purred. She's the liaison, and as the metal woman, she looks the part. Tough as a Russian, slick as an American, and fronting for both of us. That tells anyone, whether or not they actually read the article, that when they mess with one of us, they mess with all of us. Huh. Savior said again. All right. For propaganda, I can wear a ridiculous outfit. Dave, I wish to be climbing out of boots as soon as possible. When the two emerged, Ramona could see why Savior objected. Her outfit was another catsuit, a cutout version of the CCCP dress uniform, with thigh-high boots with higher and more ridiculous stiletto heels than even Ramona's outfit sported. In contrast, Upir's gothic Lolita version of the CCCP uniform looked positively Victorian. The two respective heads of the organization took their places. The photographer made some... suggestions rather than giving orders. He was the one from the calendar shoot, so presumably he remembered how unwise it was to give Red Savior anything that sounded like an order.
About a half an hour later, the shoot was over, and Ramona headed for the locker room to peel herself out of her outfit. But she stopped dead, hearing Savior accosting Bella in there. I know what you did, blue girl, Savior said, in mingled tones of admiration and irritation. Then I manipulated you? I won't apologize. You've done the same. Bella sounded calm rather than defiant. Don't try to claim I used empathic projection on you, though. Upir will be the first one to... Psh, I know you did not. No, but you did manipulate me. And it worked. This time. You won't be so lucky again unless I choose to let you. Ramona heard the commissar's footsteps heading towards the door and skittered a bit down the hall so as to make it look as if she was just now approaching and hadn't overheard that exchange. The door flew open and Savior stalked out. She spared a glance for Ramona, and a harsh chuckle escaped her. Huh. You are looking like sex bot, she said, and continued on her way. Ramona edged inside the locker room. Bella was fastening the last snap on her echo uniform and glanced at her. Ah, oh, she's right, which for that shoot was not a bad thing. I want my sneakers, Ramona replied, and sat down on the nearest bench. So now what? Now we wait for three days until the story hits the website. Bella heaved a long sigh and rubbed her forehead. I'm glad we won't have to wait for the print version. I don't think I could stand the tension for a month. And then? Ramona asked. Then we see what shakes down out of the trees. Kanjar's intimate knowledge of the office building that Echo was using for its headquarters, gained when it had belonged to Verdigree, had been of immense use in avoiding the guards and the traps. The ventilation ducts had been wired up to a fairly well when Dom had installed himself here, and she was fairly certain Bella Parker had had that augmented, but she had discovered there was enough room in the areas between the ceilings and the floors outside the ducts to move in. You just had to know what parts would support a human's weight, and she had explored the entire building until she knew that intimately, and in the dark. So when she dropped down softly behind Parker's chair, she was not expecting to be addressed calmly. You could have just used the door, you know. Parker swiveled the chair to face her, cradling a gun in one hand. But that would have been so déclassé, Kanja replied. I assume those are armor-piercing bullets in there. A little more than that, but I'm hoping I won't have to use them. Bella nodded slightly to the side. Do have a seat. I was hoping my ploy with Steel Maiden would give you an excuse to show. Kanjar glided gracefully to the offered seating. It was one of her favorite chaise lounges, and she appreciated the effort. She arranged herself on it as Bella swiveled the chair to follow her movement. What gave me away? Now you really don't expect me to tell you that, do you? Bella asked, with a hint of throaty chuckle. I will tell you that you should never, ever expect to be able to sneak up on an empath unless you're wearing a side damper the size of a filing cabinet. 
I'll keep that in mind in the future. Kanjar was beginning to enjoy this. It was refreshing to be treated as an equal. Insofar as she could like anyone, she was starting to like Belladonna Blue. And she didn't think it was the Blue Woman's projective empathy at work, either. Well, obviously, you got my message. Bella nodded. Obviously. And I'm very interested in why you decided to turn on your boss. She leaned forward a bit, and her demeanor turned purposeful. It's not an idle question. Before I can even begin to consider trusting you, I need to know your reasons. And I will be weighing them for truth, believe me. Kanjar had no doubt that at this point Belladonna Blue was a walking lie detector. The only way anything would get past her was if the person in question actually believed the lie being told herself. And for all her self-control, I am not that good. Kanjar was many things, but that was not one of them. I have several reasons. Some are very personal, and I would rather not go into them. The one that is important to you is that I am a believer in reincarnation and karma, and I have no intentions of being reborn as a goat. Or worse. Kanjar raised her chin and looked Belladonna straight in the eyes. Dom is engaged in a matter which, if I continue to be a willing party to, will be impossible to counter in this lifetime. Belladonna's face went cold. You've murdered for him. You have helped him with the Bombay debacle. What could be worse than that? It involves meddling with the Celestial. She licked her lips. It is not wise. It is not even remotely wise. He has allied himself with a Chinese... creature. Bella's eyes narrowed. People's blade? Not anymore, Kanjar corrected. Whatever is inhabiting that body calls itself Shen Shui. It is not mortal. I am of two minds whether it is demonic. It is certainly far more ruthless than even Dom imagines. I researched the name. It belonged to a great Chinese general who engineered massacres without turning a hair. She shook her head. In order to gain its will, it would not hesitate to put half the world in flames. Of course, that was only part of the truth, but it was still the truth. Kanjar was not yet certain she wanted to reveal Dom's obsession with the Deva. It would be a good card to hold for a while. That seemed to satisfy Belladonna. All right, I can see how that's a motivator. She raised her voice. Vix, bring the MacGuffin in. One of the doors into a side office opened, and a tiny woman dressed in head-to-toe nano-weave entered. Even her hands were covered. Kanjar recognized her immediately, of course, and was a little surprised. Victoria Victrixnage was supposed to be a minor operative, allegedly a magician. Dom didn't believe in magic, of course, and of no great importance except as a friend to the new head of Echo. It appeared the intelligence on her was wrong. 
the tiny blonde was carrying a small hardened case with her. She set it down on the corner of the desk nearest Kanjar. Kanjar could smell the fear on her, and yet she managed to move without showing it. This is where I explain what you're going to have to agree to if this association continues, Victrix said, her voice trembling only a little. I assume, unlike Verdigree, you believe in magic. Kanjar nodded brusquely. Of course she believed in magic. There was the Deva, of course, and that monstrous thing Shen Shui. That Dom didn't believe was a weakness on his part. I integrate magic and tech, Victrix continued. And if you are going to work with us, you will have to agree to be implanted with something I've come up with. It will work as an undetectable way to communicate with us. It will also work as a way for us to keep track of you. Kanjar felt her eyebrows shooting up in surprise. This was completely unexpected. She had anticipated some form of wire, perhaps a communicator of some sort. But an implant? It's not just for our benefit, Victrix pointed out. If you get into trouble, we can pinpoint you and have a good chance of extracting you even if you are unconscious. Her little chin firmed in an expression that was remarkably like Belladonna's. Unlike Verdigree, we take care of our own, even when they become inconvenient. As Harmony became inconvenient to Dom, Kanjar said after a moment. She pondered. You have a point. A very good point. She thought a little more, but really, what choice did she have? It was this or... Or be reborn as a toad. I think not. I accept, she said, and then spent a very interesting fifteen minutes as the little magician implanted a camera in her left eye, a microphone in the roof of her mouth, and a speaker and a sound pickup in her ear. It was remarkably painless, all but the part where the camera thing crawled around to the optic nerve. And that wasn't painful, just uncomfortable and rather unnerving. Then Victrix walked her through the activation procedure. Interestingly, she called the system Kali. Kanjar found that both amusing, appropriate, and convenient. You can't turn it off, of course, Victrix said matter-of-factly. All you can really do is alert me by saying, Kali, listen, to the fact that there is something that you want to say to us, or to have us over here. The rest of the time it will be on constant record. Kanjar just shrugged. Dom and I have not been sharing much for several weeks now, she said with indifference. I cannot say this matters to me, since he has not been taking any other partners. He goes through stages like this, where he devotes every waking moment to his projects. I don't expect this to change until the Thulian matter has been decided once and for all. Diplomatically put, Bella said dryly. All right, then, consider the bargain made. She stood up and reached over the desk with her hand extended. A little surprised by the gesture, Kanjar took it and shook it. The empath's handshake was firm and surprisingly strong. The handshake of a truly honest person, Kanjar reflected, amused. 
but she noticed that Belladonna did not release her hold on the pistol, though she transferred it to her left hand. Kanjar had no doubt that the empath was an equally good shot with either hand. Now, for my errand, Kanjar said delicately. Well, you can say that you know that Steel Maiden is the liaison between Echo and CCCP, Belladonna said, sitting back down. Victrix retreated to behind Parker's chair. What else, Vix? Projector, Steel Maiden, the little mage said, and a half-height holographic image of the lady in question sprang up on the desk. It rotated. Quick, answer without thinking. Does that look like Ramona Ferrari? No, Kanjar answered as ordered. Good. Hold that a moment. Bells? The empath's eyes narrowed, and Kanjar felt a strange tickling sensation inside her skull for just a moment. She felt her eyes widen, and she sprang to her feet. What did you do? she cried in alarm, fumbling for a weapon she wasn't wearing. Nothing unethical. Sit down. The tone was that of an order, and to her shock, Kanjar felt herself obeying. The echo head continued. I just grew a neural connection for you. Your very first response to that question will be from now on. No, Steel Maiden does not look like Ramona Ferrari. Not the best scion or the best lie detector will get anything other than that out of you. But is it? Kanjar asked. She was both appalled that Belladonna would do that to her and oddly comforted. Belladonna shrugged. Look for yourself. Kanjar examined the hologram closely. And truly, the more she looked at it, the less it looked like the presumably dead detective. Still, I cannot be sure, she admitted. Good. We want doubt planted in Verdigree's mind. No, it doesn't, and, but I can't be sure, in equal measure. Kanjar noted that Belladonna was caressing the gun in her hand a little. She doubted it was an unconscious gesture. Now you can say you have seen her and investigated. That's what we want. You and us. The more distraction he has, the better it is for our side. Kanjar nodded. The day that Dom made an enemy out of this woman was a very bad day for him, and he doesn't even realize it. The thought made her oddly satisfied. Now, is there anything more we can do for you? Belladonna said, when Kanjar had been silent for several moments. This has been very satisfactory, Kanjar said, getting to her feet again. Even if we are... What is the Western saying? Strange bedfellows. If we all survive this, I hope you'll consider coming over to us permanently, Parker replied, also getting to her feet. Echo could use someone of your talents. I can promise you there would be a vast improvement in your karmic balance. Kanjar considered that for a moment. I suspect my karmic balance may be in need of that, she said thoughtfully. I'll consider the offer, certainly. If my bank balance is sufficiently weighted, 
it might be well to do just that. As the little magician cleared out of the way, Kanjar jumped and caught the edge of the ceiling panel and pulled herself back up inside. Best to leave the way she had come in. The last she saw of the two Echo Ops was of them watching her thoughtfully from below as she closed the panel again. But that was not quite the last she heard from them. And remember, Kali is always watching, said a voice in her ear. Always. You have been listening to Collision, Season 8 of the Secret World Chronicle podcast novel series. Season 8 is written by Mercedes Lackey, Cody Martin, Dennis Lee, and Veronica Jaguer. Music is Exciting Trailer by Kevin McLeod from Incompetech.com. The Secret World Chronicle podcast is narrated and produced by Veronica Jaguer and is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License. The fourth book, Collision, is available in print and ebook in December 2014 from the amazing people at Bayon Books. For more information about the series or to listen to earlier seasons, check out www.secretworldchronicle.com. Want to chat with the authors and fellow SWC fans? Join the Secret World Chronicle group on Facebook. And as always, thank you for listening.